So God bless you, City Hill Church. Appreciate you jumping in and joining us this morning on our City Hill Facebook live stream. I'd, I'd like to encourage you this morning that as you're watching, as you have questions or comments, please send those in. We got some people in back who are processing those. And I'd love to end this a little different format today. I'd love to end with a time of answering questions, of dialoguing with you. We want to find every way possible to engage the church in these times when we're physically separated. I know that physical separation, if you're like me, one of my love languages is physical touch. And we're told, don't touch, stay away, keep six feet away. And that's a challenge for all of us. So we need to find creative ways to show love to each other, creative ways to reach out and be together, whether it be through Zoom or through a Facebook connection, or a phone call, or a letter you send, whatever it is, let's be creative, because we are never victims. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are never victims. Bad things can happen, but the scripture says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that verse was not written in a time of ease. Those verses are written in time of challenge and difficulty, that we are more than conquerors. So, in this time of challenge, be victorious. Be a conqueror through all the challenges that we face. Our world is in crisis. Our world knows it's in crisis. From China to Italy, New York, America, we are facing a crisis that most of us have never faced in our lifetime. And the challenges are great. We're seeing that over 30,000 people now have died from the coronavirus. We're seeing that things are happening in New York and other places that seem very close to our home here in Minnesota. And it's very easy for us to feel fear. And I know that most of us want to help. Most of us want to say, how can I, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference in these very challenging times. You know, one thing that's very clear is no one can solve this alone. This is not some, one person that's going to have the answer and save the world. 
We can't call the Avengers. We can't call in for some government to come throw a switch and answer the problem that we're facing. And no one has all the answers, but each of us can do our part. And I appreciate the United States government. They've passed a $2 trillion stimulus package. It's their best attempt to help. It's the largest package of its kind in the history of our land. And I appreciate their attempts to do all they can to provide materials and finances and help for us in a time of need. Churches have moved their meetings, their gatherings online. Churches that have never done that before, like ours, we're gathering online. We're doing everything we can to adjust, to continue to minister to the people that God's given us to care for. Restaurants have closed down. Lots of businesses have closed down, some permanently. Most of us are working remotely from our homes. So offices have closed and things have changed and there's an isolation that's come upon us because it's necessary at this time. Because we have an order to stay home. And so I ask the question again, what can you do? What can I do? What can we do to be a part of the answer rather than part of the problem? Yes, we need to wash our hands. How many of you washed your hands 10,000 times? We're washing our hands longer, singing little songs as we wash our hands. That's good. Keep it up. You stay in your homes. That's kind of hard, especially when the weather's been a little bit cold. As it gets warmer, I think we're going to see the parks and the streets flooded with people who just can't stay in their homes any longer. But praise God, we have homes to shelter us. We've stopped shaking hands. You maybe see somebody give away from a distance, bump an elbow. We're doing things differently. And all of that matters. But I want to say to you this morning that we have a big gun. We have a powerful weapon that God's already given to the church. He's given it to us, and that, of course, is the weapon of our prayers. And I believe that God is calling his family, his children, to pray as never before. And I want to challenge you. Prayer is not for those people. Prayer is for you. You are called to pray. The Bible constantly invites us. Now let me say that differently. The, con the Bible constantly calls us to be a people of prayer. In every generation, in every land, in every culture, God calls us to pray. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. If my people, we are the people of God, and God calls us to humble ourselves before him and to pray. I want to challenge you to be a part of the answer in prayer. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's pretty simple. Things that we're asking God to do, that we want God to do, we need to ask. In Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Ask, pray, seek the Lord, spend time asking the Lord, praying that God will deliver us from this coronavirus. The Bible makes it very clear. There is a direct correlation between our prayers and the action of God. Ask, pray. And may I say, you know, I appreciate what our United States government's doing. I appreciate the medical staff around the world who are putting their lives at risk to care for the sick. I appreciate the scientists who are working night and day to find breakthroughs, be it vaccines or treatment or ways that we can heal from this virus. Every death is a tragedy. Every death is a sadness to some family. Every sickness is, is a great challenge to anybody. And I appreciate those people who are working tirelessly to bring us health and life and solutions to this crisis. But hear me very clearly. Our trust is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. I want you to think about this for a minute. When this was written, what did they trust in? These, these cities had walls around them, and there were wars between these nation states. And often, it says when kings go to war, it was, a, it was part of the practice that kings would go and fight against other nations. And what did people trust in? They trusted in their war machine. They trusted in their walls. They trusted in their warriors. They trusted if they had chariots, more chariots than the other people, this was good because they could go faster and they were protected. And so chariots and horses were part of their protection. They protected their women. They protected their children by their military strength. And into that situation, the word of God comes and says, some trust in horses, some in chariots. And I think people would have said, of course we trust in chariots. Of course we trust in horses. But the scripture says to us, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you trust in? Really, where's your trust? Is your trust in the United States government? I would be afraid if your trust is in our government. Is your trust in doctors or breakthroughs? It's not a great place to put your trust either. Our trust is in the name of the Lord our God. Recently, our government passed a $2 trillion stimulus package. I'm, I think it was a good thing. I don't understand a lot of it. I appreciate their efforts. But my caution would be to those who lead our land, and if any of you are listening today, I would say this directly. Our caution is do not put your trust in our government. We must always be looking to God for his wisdom, for his insight, for his provision, for his protection. And in that, God is calling us to pray. He's calling us to pray. 
And I love these quotes. There's some beautiful quotes from leaders throughout the time that speak to us today. I read St. Augustine, probably the most famous quote about prayer. He says, pray as though everything depended upon God and work as though everything depended upon you. I like that. We pray, we say, God, deliver us. God, help us. God, save us. And then we get to work and we say, God, show us, teach us, protect us, help us to be part of the answer. Pray as though everything depended upon God and work as though everything depended upon you. Max Licato, he speaks to the issue that many of us may feel. We may say, well, I'm not really very good at prayer. I'm not very eloquent. I don't always know what to say. So I'll leave that for those other people. Don't, don't respond that way. Max Licato speaks to that and he says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I love that. The power is in God. And he just calls us to look to him for deliverance. Beth Moore says, There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. It's a great time to pray without ceasing. There are things that will only happen when we pray. Mother Teresa says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be and the mightier the forces against evil. Can you just imagine as we pray, we pray in our homes, we pray as we're out taking a walk, we pray in our beds, we pray and we gather with the prayers of the saints around the world to defeat the forces of evil that are coming against us. Billy Graham says, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. We want to see our nations back on their feet. And we start that, we fight that on our knees. You know, we're not the first nation to face horrible challenges. And it is important to us at this time that we, and I, I want to go back just to my statement when I was speaking to the governments, that um, I read a quote, and I appreciate President Trump's leadership, his attempts to lead our nation in this time, but I read a quote from him this week that says, together we're proving that no challenge can match the indomitable strength, ingenuity, and determination of the American people. And when I read that, I thought that statement brings a red flag to me. And I would like to continue that statement and say, we trust the determination of the American people when and only when we are looking to God for wisdom, for strength in him, for his deliverance, for his freedom, for his protection from this coronavirus assault. God is calling us to do everything we can, but never to put our trust in our own strength. It actually scares me when I think, 
we're trusting in our own strength, our own ingenuity. Because I think God is faithful to say, that's not going to cut it. Our trust must always be in the Lord. And I was comforted when the president called the National Day of Prayer. I believe that is where our real victory will lie, as we do everything in our power to help. So as we look at this, and sometimes it feels like this is the first worldwide crisis, but our memory falls short when we think that way because the world has had crises forever, really. And I want to go back to one in the Bible that has some wonderful truths for us today. And I want to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's the story of Jehoshaphat. And you know, some nations have faced famine. Think of Egypt. And the famine where people didn't have food to eat. That's a crisis. Some nations have faced, faced pestilence. I mean, even right now, I was reading that over in, in East Africa, that there are hundreds of billions of locusts that are invading land and eating every bit of crop, every bit of sustenance they have. It'd be a horrible thing to experience pestilence. And many nations have experienced war. I've never experienced war in my life. We've had the the privilege of having a peaceful America during my lifetime. But most nations, many nations, have experienced war. And Jehoshaphat was one of those. Jehoshaphat stepped in in Judah. Judah was in the southern kingdom. There was a northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jehoshaphat was the king of the southern kingdom around the year 873 B.C., and Jehoshaphat was one of the few kings that was a good king. Jehoshaphat feared the Lord. It says things about him that he took the throne at about 35 years old and reigned for about 25 years. And he stood against idolatry. He went to the high places where other gods were worshipped and he tore down the high places. He took a stand for God. It also says that when they found the book of the law, he took that book and the truths in the word of God and he sent that word out with teachers and prophets throughout the land so that the people would know the word of the Lord. He was a good king. But even when you're a good king, you can, you can face tremendous problems. And Jehoshaphat, it says in, first Chron in Second Chronicles 20, that the Moabites formed a massive alliance to fight against Judah. So Judah had their own armies, but enemies formed an alliance. And it says here in verse 1, 2 Chronicles 20, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they're in Hazar Tamar, which was about 30 miles away. So the king wakes up and says, there is a multitude that's coming for you. And they're in your backyard. They'll be here soon. There's no way to fight them off. And Jehoshaphat realized that this was terrifying. He realized that they would come, they would overwhelm Jerusalem, they would 
take the wives, abuse the wives, take the children, they would kill the men, and that Judah would be wiped out and destroyed by these fierce armies that had come against him. And guess how he felt? He was afraid. Wouldn't you be? He was afraid. I mean, I tell you, if you tell me there's an army in my backyard that's focused on coming to hurt me, fear is a natural response. And I want to say that many of us have felt fear in this time. And that's really a natural response. God has an answer to that. But don't, don't disqualify yourself because you've had moments of fear. It says Jehoshaphat was afraid. But what did he do? And notice that his fear did not disqualify him. He says he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Notice what he didn't do. It doesn't say that he prepared his armies. It didn't, doesn't say that he sh they sharpened all their swords. It doesn't say any of that. It says that they sought the Lord their God. Verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. He starts by declaring who God is. God, you are powerful. You are the Lord of the nations. I trust in you. And then he turned to the word, God's promises. And he says here in verse 10, And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh God, will you not execute judgment on them? He's saying, God, you've given us this. He's calling the promises of God down today. And I just challenge you to do that. Turn to Psalm 91, turn to the scriptures of God and say, God, these, this is what your word says. This is what your promises say. And call God, say, God, st we stand upon your word is true. It's a time to pray. And then the verse that I love so much, Jehoshaphat says in verse 12, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's such beauty in this verse. He, Jehoshaphat recognizes that we in our own strength are powerless. And I believe the first step of prayer is for us to say, God, we're powerless. We need your help. We are not the answer. You are the answer. We are powerless. We humble ourselves before you. We don't stand in arrogance that nothing can touch us. We're, we're the greatest. No, we don't stand that way. We stand in humility. We bow in humility before the Lord and we say, God, we need you. God, we can't do this without you. God, have mercy upon us. And then we join with Jehoshaphat and say, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's a great place to be. Our eyes are upon you. And how did God respond? Well, there's an end of this story, and it's wonderful. The story says that when they were praying, in the time of praying together, God spoke. And this Levite named Jehaziel 
stands up and says, don't be afraid. Can you hear these people? They're going, we're terrified. No, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed by this great horde. And I love this word horde. I mean, it's one thing to say a mass, a whole bunch of people, but this horde, you kind of picture these savages gathered as far as you can see, these armies, and they're going, don't be afraid. For the battle is not yours, but God's. When we realize that God, the all-powerful, the almighty God, looks down on this horde of enemies and goes, nothing to it. God is not concerned about the armies of this world. He's not worried by them. His power is far, far greater. And he says, the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Jehaziel continues, you don't need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your positions, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. The Lord, he says here, do not be afraid. Don't, do not be dismayed because they were afraid and dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They had a worship service. There's a war coming. And what did they do? They gathered their worship team. They got their instruments. I can just hear the shofars. And they worshiped the Lord in the middle of an extremely frightening and scary time. And I want to challenge you to be people of worship in this time. No matter how this plays out, let's be people of worship. Let's be people that when fear comes upon us, we grab a guitar, a shofar, a ukulele, a flute, or you just sing out in your shower, determine that you will be a person of worship throughout this entire battle. Now, it gets better here. And Jehoshaphat hears this and goes, okay, I got a plan. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our worship team together. This is great. We're going to get Bobby, and we're going to get Matt. We're going to get the worship team together, and we're going to dress them all up really nice in their Sunday best. And then tomorrow... When the war comes our way, we're going to march out and we're going to put the worship team out in front of the armies. Yeah! I can just hear uh, some, I just know those kind of people. The Jews must have had them too. We have them here in our church. They sit in the back row and they kind of, they're sitting there listening. They go, hey, did you hear that? That's a good one. Yeah. You know how we're going to win this war? We're going to put the minstrels, we're going to put the singers out there to fight the war. Jehoshaphat is nuts. This guy's lost it. It's got to him somehow. And the other guy goes, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad I don't sing very well. We'll let those choir people, we'll let them go. They'll be the first ones to be hit by the army. But that isn't what happened, is it? It says their song was, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. In the middle of the battle, they worshiped. In the middle of the battle, they gave thanks to the Lord for a victory that was about to come. And, you know, I think if all, in all their dreams, if they said, how is it we're going to win this war? Nobody knew. Nobody had the answer. Nobody really had it figured out how the worship team was going to defeat a horde 
of another army. And it says in verse 22, And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who'd come together against Judah so that they were routed. The men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they'd made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. These, they turned inward. Something happened in their ranks. The Lord turned them against each other and they totally destroyed each other on the battlefield. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked towards the horde and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground and none had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking of the spoil. It was so much. Verse 28, they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord came on all the kingdoms of the countries where they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around. They trusted in the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. They worshiped the Lord in the middle of the battle, in the time of trouble. And I return to the scripture, and I want it to be your take home today. As we humble ourselves in prayer before the Lord, the scripture says, we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You want to know how to pray? You say, Lord, we don't know what to do. God, we really don't know what to do. We try to stay in our homes. And, but Lord, it's going bad in some places. It's, it's scary. Be honest with God. Bring your heartfelt fears and challenges. Bring them before God, but say, Lord, I am going to worship in the middle of this battle. Because, Lord, I, I don't know what to do, but my eyes, our eyes, the eyes of our children, our eyes are upon you. Bobby, come on up. Team, come on up. We want to worship as we're ending our service today. And I want to lead you through a time of prayer in your home. If you're with your kids, maybe just take hands, maybe form a prayer circle. If you're there with someone in your home, try to gather together in the same place as much as possible. We want to pray this morning. There's many things we want to pray for. We want to pray for the families that have lost loved ones. Worldwide, we've seen over 30,000 people die. We want to pray each one of those people are loved by family. It's a horrific time for these families, a difficult, painful time. We want to pray for those families. We want to pray for our government. May God help those in leadership in our land make wise decisions. We want to pray for the nations of the world, for China, how they've suffered, and for Italy and other nations and throughout Europe where coronavirus has advanced to a great amount. We want to pray for those who have lost jobs, whose economies have been turned upside down, who are struggling trying to figure out how to provide for their families, for their homes. Pray for protection for our families. Lay hands on your children and say, Lord, we, we ask for your protection upon our personal families, upon our parents, upon our spouses, upon our friends, 
upon those of our household. Pray for them this morning. Um, I want to take a moment and just give you right here a, a video from Kirsten Moore. She's one on the front lines. We have numerous people in the medical field here in our church. I think of Dr. Azra, uh, Jake, Jake Claremont, uh, Judy Narvison, Sarah Boudou, other people who are in the medical field who are um, out there at different levels. Pray for protection upon them, and also that God would use them to care for those who are suffering. Could you play that uh, video we have of Kirsten this morning, just calling us to prayer? Good morning, City Hill. My name is Kirsten Moore. I am with HCMC. I am in front of my house on Saturday morning. Just got home from my 10th shift and 11 nights. While you guys are doing your part to stay home and stop the spread of this virus, some of us are right um, in the midst of it right now. And we are seeing it get worse and worse by the day. Uh, I work next to and alongside of a lot of medical professionals and first responders who will fight this till the very last drop and we're willing to lay down their lives because that is the cost here, is the willingness to lay down our lives. But it doesn't change the job that we do each and every day. It doesn't change that when a mom hands me her two-year-old that's struggling to breathe, that I am gonna treat that two-year-old even though the treatment might be high risk to me because it's a baby struggling to breathe. I am gonna look in grandma's face and encourage her and support her as I struggle, as she struggles with the idea that she can't go to the hospital with her husband this time and her eyes tear up and she knows that she's the best advocate for him and I can't replace that, but that's our reality right now and he might not come home. I try and talk patients into staying home. We don't need to be in the hospital because I don't know if they're gonna walk out again if they go. But church, as much as the medical professionals and the design companies and the engineers are working to provide what we need on the front lines, the church should be on the front lines because we're already equipped. We have the Holy Spirit and the power to fight this unseen enemy that we've never dealt with before. This is a time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to stand against this enemy by the power of the Holy Spirit and conquer it in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. In your homes, join with us here. Father, we pray for the medical personnel of our land. God, give them, have mercy upon them. We thank you for people who will risk their own lives for others, Lord. Your word says that, that no greater love has anyone than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Father, as our medical personnel are walking that out, Father, I do pray that you protect them from sickness. God, guard their lives and use them to show your love and your care for people who are hurting and scared. Father, we pray for those in our church particularly that they would show the love of Christ. God, you've placed them there for a time such as this. God, help them to show the love of God to a world that's in need. Father, we stand, God, as Kirsten has said, we are prepared to pray. And Father, we want to take up these arms that may be rusty, that may be back in some closet, the arms of prayer. And Father, we lift them up and we pray to you and we say, God, have mercy on us, Lord. Provide for your people. Protect and stop this plague that is moving across our land and across our world. We ask this in Jesus' name. We join the prayers of the saints 
across our land, across our world, we join together with the body of Christ and we humble ourselves before you. We say, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. God, we stand against fear that would try to creep into our hearts. Father, we don't pray because we're afraid. We pray because you filled us with your love and you've called us to be a part of standing against this attack. The word says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Father, we take this plague as a attack of the enemy against us, against people, and God, we say, save us in Jesus' name. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to just take one other focus part of prayer and pray for those who are in the scientific world trying to provide ways to protect us, ways to help heal people. Um, we have one quick promotional video that's produced by MTLX, people in our church that are fighting to find filters that will actually filter out the virus and protect these medical personnel. Just watch this brief promo video on something that we're working on to develop. MTLX has created the Clean Air Pack, a wearable device that takes air from your surroundings and converts it into safe, clean air, free of the coronavirus. The Clean Air Pack successfully captures particles 70 nanometers and larger, including the coronavirus, which has a particle size of 95 nanometers. The system is rechargeable by USB-C and is light and portable. Flexible tubing allows for convenient placement on a belt or backpack. The Clean Air Pack also has an application for your phone that gives you live data about the air quality around you and filter status. When the filter is fully loaded, your phone will notify you to replace the filter. Filters are sterilized by UVC light and can simply be thrown away. So this is one of the scientific uh, breakthroughs, one of the products that would be instrumental in protecting the medical personnel of our land. Our current filters are challenged in many ways to actually do the job. And without going into the scientific area, this would be incredibly important in allowing doctors and paramedics and others to be in the room with people who are infected with the coronavirus without getting it themselves. I don't know about you, but uh, that's incredibly important. That's being developed by people here in our church out of um, MTLX. And so we have a number of people in our church that work at this company. I want to pray for God to give us the approval through the CDC and the ability to produce these in large quantities quickly. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for scientists that are working with filters and working in ways beyond my understanding. But God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for breakthrough in the mechanics of how these filters would actually work to protect people who are walking into the front lines. God, thank you for those who have a passion to be a part of the answer. God, help us with streamlining approval through the CDC. Help us with the ability to produce and set up production of companies and businesses and and ways that this could be produced and distributed that would, in effect, save probably tens of thousands of lives. Father, help those who are trying to make this happen, God. Give them wisdom. Give them provision. We ask for your help 
in their intelligence, in their coordination, in their context. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray. If you are wondering what this service is about today, the answer is pray. What the pastor talked about today, we need to pray. We need to humble ourselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, not trusting in our wisdom or our ingenuity, but we humble ourselves before God. We ask for God to intervene, and then like Jehoshaphat, we say, our eyes upon you. I want to sing a song here, have our team sing a song, and just sing with us where you're at. It's a simple old chorus that has ministered to me and many people throughout the years. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's do that, and then we'll close our time together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the comments or questions back there. All right, well, maybe next week you can send in your questions. It's good to be together on our Facebook Live. I pray for the peace of God to be yours in each and every one of your homes. I want to close by praying a blessing over you. Blessing comes from the scriptures. Let this word and the truth of the word of God drop into your hearts today as we walk through this challenging time. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul, our soul, O oh God, it waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O oh Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. God bless you, my friends. May the peace of God be yours this week. Join us online as we continue to seek the Lord together to pray and to watch the victory come from the Lord. 
God bless you. In Jesus' name.